Welcome home, brave heroes. I am Ash, this is Ash Quest, and this is actually not my first podcast. Obviously, to those who have been following the broadcast on YouTube and possibly on Odyssey, as few of you as there may be following on Odyssey, the idea here is that I finally, finally took the kind advice of a few viewers and established an RSS feed. So this is the very first podcast that a lot of people may have access to because it is going to be it is going to be fed to multiple platforms. As long as I'm not procrastinating too much and I go and I set up these accounts and I get things going. I'm talking, I'm not really sure what platforms support podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, whatever's out there whatever's out there. And I can set up YouTube to, um, I think, automatically publish this stuff as well as it becomes available, uh, originating from my RSS feed. So for the tech unknowledgeable, I apologize. I'm actually in the same boat as you. A lot of this is first time stuff for me. I actually never, never messed with an RSS feed before, uh, let, let alone for podcasts, let alone navigated to a place where I could create my own content. And for the tech knowledgeable, I apologize to you as well for speaking about things uh, to which I am ignorant in general. But welcome. I am Ash, and just as a quick reintroduction slash introduction, I have two YouTube channels primarily. One is Amalgam Ash, one is Ash Quest. Amalgam Ash focuses on the playing and creating of independent video games using various video game creation engines. I host what are called game jam events and generally play through all of the entries submitted to those game jams on that channel. I do a lot of how-to videos, a lot of concept stuff. I review a lot of tools. I step through the process of using game creation and asset creation tools, uh, character makers, music makers, things like that. And my second channel, AshQuest, was born of the desire to have a channel that was all physical, uh, physical media, uh, having a lot to do with board games, dungeon crawlers, tabletop RPGs, and again, how to create your own quests and reviewing and unboxing tools that help you create assets for your own physical tabletop quest. A lot of this stuff is hero quest based almost exclusively. Um, but a lot of the tools that I look at are pretty broad. They, they can be used for a variety of games. And the concepts that I go over for my hero quest content can be used in a variety of games as well. I say almost exclusively, that's, that's not really accurate. I do a lot of unboxing of other things. I do a lot of news uh, on Kickstarters and things that I think are worthy of attention and things I want to highlight and share the spotlight on not the spotlight that's on me, but the spotlight that's on the product. And I typically release episodes every Monday. So if it's Monday, which maybe if the timing all works out, that is exactly what day it will be when you listen to this. <laughs> uh, happy Monday. I think now I can say for sure that every episode will be best enjoyed while you're in the car commuting to or from work, dropping the kids off at school, shuffling through Magic the Gathering decks, or just having something on in the background while you work on something else like editing video or making video game stuff or painting your miniatures or whatever. And I'm very happy to know what it is that people do while they listen to videos like this. And I've been trying to take all the feedback I can to make these podcasts better. 
and I'm recording right now in the spare bedroom of my home that I use as an office slash recording space. And I've had this set up now for maybe a year. Uh, and I've been doing content creation for close to, it's been about three years, I think. Three years this February, either three years or four years this February. Yeah, I think I started in 2019, actually. So if it's been four years, then yay! Got about 4,000 subscribers on Amalgamash, which is pretty low. That that channel's not healthy. Uh, and already a 2,000 on AshQuest. That channel's doing really, really well. Really, really well. Um, by my barometer. Hopefully this podcast will go out there and, and attract more people who may be interested in topics like these. But today, I wanted to by way of introduction, talk a little bit about my origin with RPGs. So at the five minute mark here, I'm finally getting to the meat. And I know everybody's going to have their own origin story. And because this is uh, not the first podcast episode already for YouTube, many of which are graphical and don't really get shared to other platforms that don't support video content, um, it still has information in it that hasn't been really talked about, I think, on video yet. So please enjoy. So I was probably four or five years old when a neighbor kid uh, catty-cornered. We were on the same block, but they were on the opposite end of the block diagonally. And, you know, between the houses, just a bunch of yard and some brick wall half-assed built and a couple of fences and stuff on the odd house, but this kid was able to make it over to my house pretty easily. He's like, hey, you want to play Nintendo? And as random as that sounds, that's that's all it was. And I said, yeah, whatever that is. And so I followed him to his house. My parents had no idea that I did this. <laughs> it's zero clue. Uh, I had just stepped outside. There was this kid, and I followed him. Probably not the wisest thing to do. Probably probably a cautionary tale for most people. But this kid wasn't much older than me at all. Five, six, seven, I'd hesitate. Uh, got to his house, went upstairs to his bedroom, and he fired up Nintendo and turned on Super Mario Brothers. Uh, not, not regular Mario Brothers, where you're confined to one screen of activity and tunnels in the corners of the screen teleport enemies in and out but the the first mario brother game that so many people remember iconic music goomba kills you at the beginning uh screen doesn't go backwards things like that and uh, i i i watched him play for a little bit i tried to play wrap my head around the use of a controller died hated it and said okay i'm bored i'm going home and i went home and that's the end of my story well i, I think i did see the kid once or twice later i i want to say his name was nick I don't know why I think that, but anyways, uh, that was technically my very first video game memory ever, and I would encounter Super Mario Brothers again a little bit later at an, not a friend's house, but friends of my parents who had kids, and um, back then it was, go play with, you know, the kids, whoever they are, just go play. Parents are talking. Parents are visiting. So you'd go and uh, play with whatever kids were available. <laughs> and these kids 
had a Nintendo, were playing Mario, they were in the water level, they were doing fairly well. Uh, I think I may have tried a little bit more and then died again, and then I was I was pretty well done because I just was not getting it. But we fast forward now to when I am seven years old, haven't had a video game system before, had very little to do with video games in general, vaguely aware of what an arcade was, which by the way, I love arcades. And I did love them as a kid after, between the ages of seven and 12, when, when we would run around uh, our place in Texas, uh, our, our city and neighboring cities and go to arcades and, and pizza places and stuff like that. But went to, went to, uh, I think, pretty sure, pretty sure Walmart, uh, or received, received as a gift. It's been long enough, I don't remember. Maybe I can remember tearing, tearing wrapping paper off of my first Nintendo Entertainment System. And this ties into board game, role-playing game, TTRPGs, Dungeon Crawlers as well, because the first role-playing game that I ever encountered was Dragon Warrior for the Nintendo Entertainment System. I got my own Nintendo. I learned to play it. I was not good, but I did have plenty of time. And, um, you know, new, new, new kid in the neighborhood, homeschooled, didn't have a lot of reason to be out and about. Studies were fine. They were whatever. I generally passed my time playing with my brother, watching TV, things like that. And I played my Nintendo and I got better and better and I learned and I I played the games that I had which were Super Mario Brothers 3, The Legend of Zelda and Dragon Warrior. And The Legend of Zelda was a lot of fun and it's nostalgic thinking back to it uh, now, but we're talking role playing and The Legend of Zelda is, is very fantasy, but it's not quite role playing. No, that award definitely goes to Dragon Quest, a Dragon Warrior, <clears throat> which is the same thing, excuse me. Uh, but TSR had Dragon Quest name rights back then. And so the game, which was called Dragon Quest in Japan, when it came to our shores, could not have its, its native title used. And yes, it was given the English title, Dragon Quest, even though it originated in Japan. It wasn't called like... Uh, Ryu no Monogatari or anything like that. It was it was Dragon Quest, which is a great, great title for a game. But they couldn't use that here because TSR had, had rights to something called Dragon Quest. And nobody wanted to think oh, these two products are related. So I played Dragon Warrior. And um, yeah, that, that has since changed. They, they, they started being Dragon Quest around when? Six, uh, seven, I think around PlayStation. You know what? I don't actually know. I don't actually know when that lifted. I know it's Dragon Quest now. I know Dragon Quest is firmly, firmly understood to be the video game series, the RPG series from Square Enix, formerly just Enix. <clears throat> and they did an amazing job with it. Uh, but you know, it was hard. It was difficult. And that game is actually considered to be kind of difficult anyway. 
I step outside, there's a slime. The slime wipes the floor with me. Or if it doesn't, I walk around a little bit more, noticing that I got a reward for fighting the slime, which is a little bit of gold and an experience point. And even as a kid, you know, we all have our are things that we are really inept at. Like we, we get it very quickly, some concepts. Other concepts we lag on, we don't learn them maybe until a little bit later or maybe a lot later. But one concept that I understood very early was net positive. The idea of going into a thing, an endeavor, and spending whatever, energy, resources, time, money, and coming out with less than what you had, but something to gain that was equal to what you spent uh, in another form or more. And I noticed quickly that, you know, fighting three slimes got me exactly, I don't know, uh, three to six gold. And the inn in the first town costs six gold, I believe. And it was really hard to survive the fight with three different slimes because sometimes you might run into a uh, not a slime, but like a, what are they called? Excuse me, Keese? No, Keese is a, is a Legend of Zelda enemy. The bats, they, uh, they would wipe the floor with me. So I learned quickly, you know, go back to the castle, not the town, which they are a little ways apart. So there's risk of, of running into a monster, walking back and forth between the castle and the town. And go to the castle and get healed that way at the free, the free place. And in that way, I was able to kind of grind. Uh, and I played, and I played, and I think I bought my first weapon upgrade. It's like a club or a short sword or something like that. And I noticed that was really strong, and I started to get it. There was a lot of dying in between getting it and, and starting the game, for sure. And there was some frustration and walking away from it and stuff. But I got it. And then I discovered the Nintendo Entertainment System does not quite keep your memory. It doesn't, it doesn't remember that you got all the way through that game. Games weren't like that just yet. You had to do something special. You had to hold down reset before you turned the power off. And that, for whatever reason, reasons that are probably super simple that I could go look up right now, but I don't know them yet, uh, allowed the game to save properly. Um, at least after you went and you actually saved the game at the king in the king's castle. So I didn't do that, and I learned the hard way that that means you have to start all the way back over. I would continue to play, give up on, then play Dragon Warrior over the next couple of years while I played other games, uh, notably Legend of Zelda, uh, two, which I did not get. I I was like, this this is this is hard and it's dumb. It's dumb because I'm not good at it. Um, Dragon Warrior sequels, which I rented and and played out of order gladly because it was something new and something different. Uh, not Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy just wasn't at the places that I went to go rent my games for some reason it was inaccessible so I actually did not play Final Fantasy back then did not ever play Chrono Trigger um, back in my physical SNES owning days upgraded to a Sega Genesis which had historically laughably few RPGs 
but still really enjoyed Sonic the Hedgehog and Jewel Master and Alien Storm. Those were my first three games for the Genesis ever. SNES, I got that, and I slowly began my game library with the SNES. Um, not that I hadn't with the other systems. The other systems were fairly easy to get games for. We had a pawn shop off the highway that my dad would take us to, and NES games were sold there in stacks behind the glass counter. You could see all the titles, so you could kind of put your sticky little kid hands on the glass counter wall and press your face up against it and see all the titles. And I read all of the titles, and I would pick out one that seemed really, really interesting to me. And I would do this every about two weeks because I would do chores and I would do other stuff to try to earn money. And these games were about 15 bucks a piece. And I would get a game whenever I was kind of at a point where I was totally sick of all the other games that I had. And, oh, this was 15 bucks, by the way, in like 1994 money or something. So not not too bad, but also uh, kind of inaccessible for, for me unless I saved up. Uh, but this was in the middle of me buying comic books as well. We'd go to the gas station, stop and go, and... I would buy comics, I'd buy X-Men, whatever looked interesting. I didn't really follow that there was an overarching story, nor was I able to, for whatever reason, get the the, the next issue month after month. I think Uncanny X-Men and Sonic the Hedgehog were the two that I was able to get the next month's issue pretty consistently and only missed a couple of times. But I also bought gaming magazines about game players. Uh, at the local Food Lion because it had so much personality. Every issue was hilarious. I loved seeing the pictures of the video games inside. And I come to find out I really liked all of the RPGs that they would show. I liked fighting games. I liked action games. I liked platformers. I liked pretty much anything that oozed with charm. But I did really like RPGs. So let's fast forward a bit. Before my 12th birthday, uh, Parents had split up. They'd been split up for a while. Mom moves us to Missouri. And that's where I am now. And um, at some point, at the age of maybe 12, maybe 13, I don't remember how it happened. So lamest origin story ever. I went, I either came downstairs, went into the living room, and there was a board game on the table, or... Or I found the board game and bought it myself, which I, I know you got to be thinking, Ash, how can you forget? Those, those two things are so wildly different. I, I promise you, I just don't remember. And I don't know why I don't remember, but I don't. I may have found the board game myself at a local thrift store. In any case, it was HeroQuest. It had everything. And even the flyer that tells you about Keller's Keep and Return of the Witch Lord, all of the miniatures were in pristine condition. All of the elements were there. It was mind-blowing. I was vaguely aware of something called Dungeons and & Dragons. And I had no idea how Dungeons & Dragons was actually played. I only knew that it consisted of pen and paper. And... <clears throat> maybe some theater of the mind, even though I didn't really know what that was back then. Despite, you know, playing pretend with my brother and, and making up our own games, for sure. Uh, Hero Quest was just super cool to me. It had its own aesthetic. 
but the fantasy all seemed really familiar. All of the orcs being green, uh, the, 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 the undead retaining their natural white bones or white mummy bandage color. Uh, of course, all of the minis were unpainted. The knights already being gray in suits of armor. The tiled floor of the dungeon. The maps in the book. I learned to play, and I played this with my brother. And then I taught my friend, uh, who I would see occasionally, how to play as well. And I had no problem taking the components out and just looking at them and just pouring over them and studying them. Because from a much younger age, uh, 10, 9, I, 8 maybe, I um, would play games with my brother who was four years younger than me. And we would play them by, well, I would take maybe blocks or I would take crayons and I would outline something with these basic shapes on the floor that would kind of constitute a level and I would take control of um, an action figure or a miniature or another toy of some sort and my brother would quote-unquote play this game by telling me where to move the character and I would I would move the character along and if he said something like punch then I would have the character punch and I would control the enemies and the other characters around such that I was the video game and all of the stuff in the video game and my brother was the player. And I took joy in kind of telling the stories and making stuff up over time. And I also did a little bit of this in my spare time, in my alone time. I would just kind of pretend like I was playing a game. And um, that was kind of how I had a frame of reference for what TTRPGs were, tabletop RPGs. But we come back to my uh, adolescence and it's all second nature to, to me and my brother and my friend. We, we all know how to play stuff like this with others and we had a lot of fun with it. There was a hiccup, a couple of hiccups where we got frustrated because my friend wanted to play an advanced quest and we got pretty far ahead playing a quest that I made, which of course I put monsters on every single tile in the early rooms, which is the right and privilege of every dungeon master. And I, I think it was in that quest that my friend lost and there was a bit of a rule hiccup where he thought he should be able to do a thing. And I said, no, you shouldn't be able to do that. And he wanted to take the board and close it with everything already presented on the board out of rage. And uh, I, I remember that vividly, um, but it was all fine after that. We made nice and got back to it afterwards. So put the game away for quite some time as I got a little older. It stayed stored away. I got interested in making video games on our PC. And that might seem like quite the leap, but uh, you have to understand one of my first PC role-playing games was Castle Age. Not Castle Age. God, that's Facebook. Loved Castle Age. But um, Castle of the Winds 2, Lithfrancer's Bane, Okay, and you should be able to play that for free now. If you look it up on the internet, you should be able to play it for free in your browser. But this game, I thought, was really interesting. As simple as it looked back then, it was awesome. It had 
32, 16 by 16, maybe? I think it was 16 by 16 icons, pretty early operating system that this game ran on. I think we had a Windows 98 PC. But, um, oh man, it was so awesome to have a PC that young for my generation. It was so, so cool to have a PC. And I learned I could customize the icon if I saved a graphic in paint as an icon file type. And I was really learning PC usage and, and all of these new conventions, file conventions, the concept of the file name, all of that stuff was stuff I was learning through being interested in games and gamifying everything that I was learning. And I got to a point a few years later where I found RPG Maker and it was RPG Maker 95. I should correct myself. It was the available translation of RPG Maker 95, the Dante, <clears throat> whatever it was, uh, by Don Miguel, uh, who back then I was ignorant. I didn't know how to say his name. So I'm like, Don Miguel. Yeah, it was, it's Don Miguel. Don Miguel. And I played with that and learned the building blocks of how one might make their own RPG. It came pretty quickly to me. Everything was pretty easy to learn. Uh, the switches, I had no problem learning the switches. I didn't have much of a problem learning the variables, even though I would not learn what a variable was until later. But everything came pretty naturally to me back then. That was, that was something my head was able to wrap around pretty easily because I could see the stuff that was named in the event uh, the event builder of that program. And I could easily remember or, or come up with um, a way that could be used from a game that I had played previously. It's like open chest. I can admit that makes sense. I've opened plenty of chests in video games. Yeah, I can make my own chest. I can play the open chest event. And what's inside? Uh, gold, or I can select from one of these items. I can go make my own items. Ah, oh, tile sets. If you just take a tile set and stamp stuff down, that's awesome. And you have a tile of a ladder, but you can put that ladder down and, and kind of make it look like you're climbing the ladder by moving over it. Yeah, that that was where my brain was focused for the next several years. Um, at the age of 17, I think is when I started work on ESM, ESM, which is my was my very first serious role-playing game uh, video game project it stood for evolution server moderation which sounds dumb but i like the way the esm rolled off the tongue and it was the story of my oc who had my internet handle at the time which was some variation or other of kyonchi depending on depending on what uh what was taken what was not taken and all of the other characters in the game were characters, were, were people that I had met in a chat program called Excite. And it was Excite Virtual Places. And that was, yeah, there was a lot of memories associated with that. Um, <clears throat> lots, of, lots of channels there, mainly the Japan channel, where I would go and hang out with weebs. I, I would meet other other anime fans, other otaku. And this was this was about the same time that I was watching Toonami and stuff too. So there was plenty to, to connect about. And listening to more music 
and just generally experiencing more pop culture. There was a lot more to discuss. It was really exciting to me that I could just go into a space like that and just talk to a bunch of strangers about whatever and make some friends. That was unreal. That was super, super cool to me. Uh, but ESM was a story that I wrote where all of the people in that chat room, um, young Ash didn't know what consent was. We just, we just wrote, just wrote about whoever, you know, you know what? It didn't matter at all. All, all similarities were just uh, coincidental. Um, the characters in my game had all handles of the people in the chat program and everybody was kind of aware that I was doing it anyway. And I usually had requests like, can I be playable? Can I be on the team? And then there were other people who were like, ah, cool, make me a boss. And they were jerks anyway. So of course, yeah, you were going to be a boss either way or a mid boss or something. And I eventually had this roster of like 16, I think, playable characters. And I was using, uh, not RPG maker. I was using RPG toolkit, by the way, which was vastly superior in my opinion. Even though I had to pay for a license, I got the CD in the mail, I got a certificate, I got a license key, and I was using RPG Toolkit. Yeah, I supported the developer of that program way back. Whereas now, it's free. It's just distributed. It's it's freeware. You, you can get RPG Toolkit. It may not work so well on modern OSs now, but yeah, it was so versatile. It was my favorite. And that's kind of where I began learning a lot of concepts about code. So wanting to play fantasy games has led me into a lot of different pockets of knowledge in life in general. I have took Visual Basic in 2006 because I wanted to learn how to program my own video games. That class didn't go the way I thought it would. I completed the program, but I was no closer to knowing how to make anything video game related. I have gotten into video uh, recording and posting. I've become a much better public speaker uh, from all of the hours that I've poured into speaking this way. Monologues, yeah, but same thing, really. It's a monologue unless you're taking questions. And it's actually provided a source of, of passive income for me. It gets, you know, it, it's not a big source or anything. Like it's not going to replace my day job. But it has given me kind of the hope that maybe I'll be able to do that. Replace my day job by doing something I really love, which is engaging in some form in the creation of games, gamified stories, experiences that you can share with other people in the form of fantasy, fantasy realm. I love that. I love that a lot. And pretty much that is front to back how I got into role-playing games in general. So with that said, we're at the 30-minute mark over here, and I think that that is a great time to wrap up the podcast, call this a good length, and begin to close out. So on AshQuest, I do a lot of unboxing. I use all of the accumulated knowledge that I've gotten throughout the years to have some perspective on the components of each game that I review or look at. I have a lot of folks, really, really generous viewers who send stuff that they have made uh, that they would like to sell on platforms for me to look at, unbox, review, give my honest thoughts on. And I do that as well. 
and there have been a couple times I've gotten some really cool uh, sponsored things as well, gifts, I should say, from uh, companies that are established that are out there. And I'll look at their stuff too. Not that sponsorship is an excuse for me to only say nice things. Uh, I'm, I'm still honest. But I've really, really enjoyed my time doing that stuff so far. And uh, I will continue to do it for as long as I can. So, Brave Heroes, I hope you'll check out some of the videos over on AshQuest or check out another podcast. Uh, I'm very new and uh, all of these these different podcast platforms are, are bound to be unfamiliar to me. If you have any sort of advice, if there's a comment section in the platform on which I'm casting, please utilize that if you'd like to and give me any advice that you'd like. Uh, the fact that I'm broadcasting on any platform other than YouTube is because of advice I received from kind viewer. Otherwise, I would probably never have gotten over to, to see what RSS even was. And uh, if you're not aware of me being on other platforms, that, that should be happening now. If you're a regular YouTube listener, that should be up and happening now. And by the way, the image that I use on YouTube uh, is a caricature of myself and my mascot for the channel, Nil. That's Nil Bog the Goblin. And it was um, put together in a P-Crew character image generator online for free. This one uses uh, allows commercial use in particular, and it's from Slime Assign. Slime Assign is really, really cool for making a character generator that you can make characters in and use them for commercial purposes. But I figure I needed to have that sort of leeway if I was going to have Nil Bog appear on stuff because I, I my channel's monetized. And in some way or another, you, you could be able to look at Nil Bog and say that she's she's making me money some way or another. It might be because a viewer just wants to look at Nil Bog the entire podcast. I don't know. But that was important to me. But anyways, thank you all so much for listening and for your support. I really appreciate all of it. Comment anything you'd like down below. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, and I will see you in the next episode on whatever platform we happen to be broadcasting to. And with that, goodbye, brave heroes. Onward. <laughs>